1: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Did the Trump administration craft its new policy for expedited removal of undocumented minors using a Ouija board? That's what a D.C. federal judge asked government lawyers during a hearing over whether she should block the new measure. Joining us is Rick Sue, professor of law at the University of North Carolina School of Of law so Rick these new procedures were announced without notice or public comment back in July but they haven't been enforced yet what are the basics
2: so essentially what it does is expand something called expedited removal and expedited removal is a process by which a immigrant can be removed from the country essentially without ever seeing an immigration judge it makes the process very fast a low-level immigration officer can make the determination all themselves and actually can expedite the removal. It could happen within a day. So it greatly speeds up the process and raises the risk for error.
1: You have a mid-level immigration officer making the decision. You have no hearing. Are there due process concerns? Is that what the immigration advocates were complaining about?
2: Yeah, there's two concerns at play. Uh, One is due process, which is sort of important in this particular case because actually the particular provision that the Trump administration wants to do, which is anyone in the country that can't show that they've been in the country for two years and anywhere in the country would be subject to this. And this raises constitutional concerns because Constitution applies to everyone that's within the United States. But the second concern, which is what you raise in the lead, has to do with how this particular regulation was put into place. And essentially without notice and comment and without a lot of good explanation for why the administration needs it, the judge seemed to be concerned that this just may violate how an agency under the president puts out policies and procedures.
1: Did the judge give anything away about her ruling when she told the government lawyers that however the government had arrived at the rule, even if by dartboard or Ouija board, it wasn't allowed to implement the policy without warning?
2: Yeah. So there seems to be two things at play, especially the comments about the Ouija board and the dart board. This echoes some of the other litigation, which regards uh, executive orders have been put out really fast. Judges have expressed concerns that they haven't been exactly thought out. There hasn't been good explanations given. And although there's a lot of discretion in the president, that discretion has to be within the context of serving the particular task as opposed to just sort of reckless or sort of willful, uh, you know, sort of decision that they're making on the fly. So it seems to be echoing some of that here, and it could be that is how the judge is going to decide. The other aspect with regard to giving notice, this really applies to a lot of policies that have been put into place and being kind of hidden. The separation of children have been going on for months before the administration even acknowledged that it was happening. And there seems to be a concern that the administration might try that again.
1: What was the basic argument from the Justice Department lawyers about this rule and why they felt it was valid?
2: Yeah, so they certainly defended on the merits by saying that the Attorney General, in this case the Secretary of Homeland Security, has the discretion to sort of just implement these rules without notice and comment. But there was also this strange argument they were making that they can't really challenge the regulation until they start enforcing it, but wouldn't tell the judge when they would start enforcing it, which I think really raised the suspicion of the judge. And not to mention, when expedited removal actually happens, because it happens so fast, It may be that when it does happen, those people won't be able to challenge it. So there's a lot of concerns about exactly how they're trying to implement this.
3: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Start your journey at steeple.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
0: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash Enterprise Data to learn more.
1: Let's talk about how this would play out on on the ground, so to speak, because they have to immediately show that they've been here for two years. And if someone is even a U.S. citizen but is not being paid a wage weekly and perhaps is living with someone else, that might be difficult to prove.
2: Yeah, this is really this is a big concern, especially in the United States, in which most of us actually don't have the documents to prove that we're legally here or that we've been here for a certain number of years, certainly not documents we carry with us in our wallet. And essentially what this does is puts the burden on whoever an immigration official confronts to show to the satisfaction of this officer that they've been in the United States for two years. Or they could be put into this sort of uh, limbo zone in which they don't have a lot of due process and a determination about their admissibility or the removals made immediately. So I think it does raise a lot of concerns about false positives, and it's just we don't have these documents on us all the time. And there's no way to review what these individual officers are going to decide. In fact, they are saying that they are completely non-reviewable once the decision is made.
1: It's hard to keep track of all the immigration lawsuits. And last week, there are actually two. Advocacy groups filed a federal lawsuit challenging the legitimacy of the acting U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Director Ken Cuccinelli to issue a set of asylum directives at the agency. Tell us what this is about.
2: Yeah, so there's sort of two parts of that. One has to do with Ken Cuccinelli himself and whether he has the authority to do so. But more importantly, it has to do with the substance of that asylum directive. And again, as part of the broader sort of effort by the Trump administration to foreclose opportunities for individuals to claim essentially their legal right under the law. But by using the process and speeding it up and putting up different criteria and conditions like this one, saying that they wouldn't be able to apply if they have gone through any other countries and didn't apply for asylum there, that they wouldn't be able to apply at all. Essentially, they seem to be going towards a procedural way of blocking these claims as opposed to just adjudicating the claims or getting Congress to change the laws.
1: Rick, there have been a lot of attempts by the Trump administration to speed up
2: deportations. Are they working, actually? It's hard to tell. I mean, in some ways, even before the speeding up, the numbers have actually already been going down, certainly since the Obama administration. So it's hard to know what the natural baseline is and whether these policies have put them even lower than what it would have been uh, had they not been put into place. But the speeding up is actually happening on two sides as well. Not only are they trying to speed up the process, we're seeing a lot of the chaos in the courts because they're speeding up the way they're implementing them. A lot of these things usually go through years of development, notice and comment, a lot of sort of explanation. But they're doing it so quickly, in some ways, trying to get it on the ground before it even goes through a proper review. And I think that's also what's annoying a lot of the courts. They want to have an opportunity to actually review these things.
1: And I take it that most of these cases are going to end up certainly at the federal appellate court level, if not the Supreme Court.
2: Yeah, definitely. And in some ways, some of the fight going on right now is the power of the district court to issue these injunctions before they make it up to the appellate court or the Supreme Court. Certainly, the administration wants it to go all the way to the top before they can be blocked. But the concern is if you go through that entire review process and it takes a year or two years, that means an administration may be implementing something against the Constitution or the law. For that period of time.
1: So nice to have you on again, Rick. Thanks so much. That's Rick Sue. He's a professor of law at the University of North Carolina School of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.